0: Welcome to Chats For You. This is the podcast where I, James, talk to people I like for you, the public. And that is really all it is. I asked some people if I could talk to them, some of them let me, and that is what's about to happen. It's a great premise. In this sixth episode, I speak to the comedian Adam Buxton, which is sort of really cool for me. Because he's probably one of the main reasons that you're hearing my voice now. Um, In terms of the fact that um, the Adam and Joe show really made me want to get into podcasting and radio. Not in terms of, that, like, he fixed my voice. He can't do that. Maybe maybe he can. I should have asked. I should have asked. So, yeah. Here was my chat with Adam Buxton. He was very nice. He gave me a lot of his time. It was great to meet him. And... It was done in quite a loud cafe, so there's sort of background noise, but I'm sure the quality of the chat will sort of overpower the background noise.
1: The fact that I'm having hot chocolate on a hot day, which I don't know I don't know if that's a clever thing to do
0: really. I just really... I'm hot. I'm regretting the mocha.
1: Yeah. but well, We're in a coffee house, so uh, what are you gonna
0: do? I think they do like fresh milkshakes. Do they? Yeah. Oh man. What would you have gone for, milkshake wise? Uh probably strawberry quite classic strawberry
1: milkshake yeah I don't really like dairy products that much right so I wouldn't have liked that I would have gone for a strawberry margarita if that was on offer but it's not it's not that kind of place
0: that might make this podcast like really good if you just get yeah
1: not really have you ever tried working when you're drunk I don't drink do you not no no well, try. Try drinking. Oh, OK. Just for that. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens.
0: Might It might be that you, I'll get the job. Yeah. I'll get really drunk on the first day. Yeah. Like, I mean, a, just,
1: uh, be a surgeon or something. A, yeah, try yeah. Like that's that. a good idea. Um, but no, it's I've learned... Because I do drink at the moment. I mean, maybe one day I'll stop. But at the moment I do and I enjoy it. And um, But I have learned that it's just not... I don't do anything good at all if, I, if I've had some drinks. Me and Joe used to have... Um, Of gin and tonic when we did our Christmas podcasts at Six Music, and uh, we'd pre record them, and they were rubbish. I mean, I don't know, they were okay, I guess, but I don't look back on them as the best podcasts that we did, I just think they're a bit of a mess. (laughs) And it was just because we were pissed, you (laughs) know. But um, I don't know, it just seemed like a fun, always seems like what would be the most fun thing you could do? It's, it's like dress down Tuesday at work. Or, right, right, yeah, You know, yeah, the yeah. last day of school, you can bring board games here. Uh-huh. And when you're grown-up, it's... Yeah, do what you would normally do at work, but drink it. <laughs> and actually, that's not... It turns out it's not fun. It's just irritating. Yeah. Also, when you have children as well, you realise that um, it's much... Well, for me, anyway, it's just makes everything so much more knackering if you start boozing. Right, right, yeah, yeah. While you've still got children's stuff to do. My children are still pretty young, so they need to be looked after and fed and got into bed and all that stuff. So if you start having a pint in the middle of the afternoon, you say, yeah, let's have a pint Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon, nice and relaxing. And yeah, sure, it's relaxing while you're actually having the pint, but then as soon as it finishes, you have to go back to making sure they're all OK yeah. and not dying and, you know being fed and all that stuff and it's awful when you're a little bit tired after the pint I don't right
0: think.
1: right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can get carry on boozing but that's not really a good basis for bringing up a family
0: I think yeah but it's a bit, it's risky one
1: it, it, it may, there may be some people who have done it brilliantly but I think the evidence would suggest otherwise
0: yeah <laughs> that's true and uh, I don't know if you were drunk when this happened mm. or drinking. But I was thinking about like uh, like all the things I've like seen and listened to you in it, so it's like all the podcasts, uh-huh. all the radio shows, I've been a couple of bugs and everything like that. And like all the TV shows and stuff and but still I think the funniest thing I've seen you in yeah. is when you and Joe were shopping with Dermot O'Leary. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just wondering, uh, how often does that happen? And is it a regular thing? Do you guys go shopping often? Do you well, sport?
1: that was part of a show called uh, Dermot Sporting Buddies, right? And so he asked us... This was a, It was a weird time in my so-called career when Joe and I were, were sort of in the doldrums, really. We'd finished doing our TV show and didn't really know what else we were going to do. I mean, what we wanted to do was carry on doing our show our tv show you know the adam and joe show but um tv being what it is their geniuses decided that we had to change it all up and go more mainstream do something different so we just said okay Mm -hmm. and all that happened was we did a load of really quiet shows that no one watched and tried a few things that didn't work and just wandered around in the wilderness for a while but one of the things that we did in that wil- in that wilderness period was say yes to Dermot O'Leary because I always liked him I thought he was a nice guy and um, we went off to go stock car racing in Skegness yeah because he said oh, I'm doing this show about like taking people I like to sporting events and we were like well we don't like sport so I don't know what we're going to do and um, he said, well, what about stock car racing? So I thought, yeah, okay, that, that sounds fun. So we did that, and then on the way, we um, yeah, we stopped off at the services, right? Is that what you're thinking of?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And we were picking out books, and that was something that Joe and I always used to love to do when we would go on trips anywhere. Is the most fun part always seems to be stopping off at the services. <laughs> get your sandwich, you get your bottle of fizzy hot drink, and then... Um, get a mag that you can read out in the car <laughs> to everyone else. I don't know, this is how we entertained ourselves in those days. And Joe, yeah, Joe was very good at picking sort of softcore porn novels. This was back in the day before um, Fifty Shades of Grey. When right, right when the softcore pornographic novel was not a more respected was Was he so genre. good at
0: picking them out that you could do it like blindfolded? Just, just don't
1: I don't know if you could... A book, yeah, like, I don't know if porno books have... Maybe they do. Maybe that's the secret, yeah, because they've got sort of raised boobies on the front of the thing so that you can tell even if you're... Um, you know sight challenged what you're you're getting that would be the way to go and if it's a gay one it's just a slightly more distended um, shape on the cover for a little knob there a couple of little nutties underneath But Joe, yeah, no, he would flick through and he was very good at <laughs> locating. I remember the phrase brown bottom hole. Um, yeah. He located very quickly, <laughs> which was good. Was that actually in there? Yeah, that was in there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, that was just a joke he <laughs> No, no, he was reading <laughs> it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was really good. And actually that night, because we, we, we were supposed to, for the programme, we were supposed to all camp together in like a trailer park or whatever we got there, and the camper that they got was so small and uncomfortable that I just said, there's no way. No, fuck this, we're not going to stay here. This is really awful. And um, we want to go to a hotel. <laughs> so they said, all right, well... And we were honest about it on the programme. But, you know, it, we were quite tired by that time. I just wanted to have some drinks and, and kick back. So we did a bit of that, we, and we were sat around the campfire... Drinking booze by that time. so we were boozed up on on the show then. Actually, we used to do a show. we me and Joe went to Glastonbury a couple of times for um, BBC three. It' was called BBC Choice then. And um, we they, the first time we went, they they set up a little bar for us oh, yeah, Joe's yeah, bar. Yeah. They even made a neon sign for it. Yeah. It's amazing. That's how that's how big we were in those
0: days. We got like a real, Is that- neon sign. Are you pretending to be a rapper in one of the bits? Yeah. Somewhere, yeah, yeah.
1: And um, yeah, I was pretending to be a guy from Cypress Hill. Right. right. Forget his name. Um, And uh, yes, and and so the bar had real booze because I guess the idea was that we would we'd grab people from the backstage area, famous people, and make them a drink, and that would loosen them up. When was this? This was like 2000, maybe 1999, and then we did it again in... No, no, 2000 we did it first, and then two years later in 2002. So it seems like another age. Well, 2000 was, was a very different time, pre-911. You could do anything you wanted in those days. You could carry a gun anywhere you wanted. Uh, you know, people weren't so uptight about bombs. And you could drink, you could smoke anywhere. It was fun. It was a wonderful, fun time. And, um, <laughs> So the BBC didn't mind doing that, but I I really don't think the BBC would now pay for a fully stocked bar um, for the presenters to get pissed at (laughs) anymore. (laughs) I think that the the license payers would frown on that. And um, but yeah, we we got really pretty drunk um, Uh doing that. I got so drunk I lost my voice was ridiculous. I mean, I don't think people... I, I remember, again, getting back home and feeling like, yeah, that was fun, right, that was yeah, a good yeah. weekend, you know. And then it was the dawn of the... You know, the, the, the net was not still fully developed. I mean, God, nowadays, I would have been immediate, the response. But then it trickled back to me that, that, that people were sort of posting on websites like that was shit, you know, what what the hell was that, Adam and Joe are fucking rubbish, why are they allowed to do anything, they're incompetent, incompetent presenters, which is true, that was the thrust of a lot of the messages, which, uh, you know, put a dampener on the, on the euphoria a little bit, but that's life in the, in the communication
0: age. And when you were in, uh, (laughs) when you did, like, coverage from Blast of 4, did you not nearly have a chance to meet Bowie?
1: Yeah, that was the year 2000. Was, yeah. He was playing there. And uh, he was great. And, and Alan Yentob, you know who Alan Yentob yeah, yeah, is, yeah. right? Um, who made, a, a, I mean, I think he's still head of arts at the BBC, but he um, made a classic documentary about Bowie called Cracked Actor. So he had an in with David. And so he was there and he kind of boasted to us that he would be able to get bowie to come and talk to us right right yeah um so we were really excited about it but it turned out that no one got a bowie interview he just zipped off he was considering doing an interview either with us or with joe wiley right those were the two people that he was possibly considering talking to. But in the end, he decided against talking to either of us, probably quite wisely. Got back in his bus and buggers off after doing a really good set in his lady dress. with the, he had very long yeah, yeah, hair, yeah, though, I think remember? Really, yeah. That was brilliant man. He was, he was great. That was a wonderful night. Uh, I can't really remember much of it, though, because I was so drunk. But there you There's go. A theme. Yeah, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was younger then. Yeah. Anyway... Have you,
0: like, obviously you've probably thought about meeting Barry. Have you got, like, any idea of what you'd ask him if you met him or things like
1: that? No, I, I, you know what, I don't think I would like to meet him anymore. Right. I mean, it, like, in my dreams, it would be fun to be friends with him. But practically speaking, I think it would just be bad because it's too, you know, people like me and people like him aren't really meant to meet. Um, because I've got such a distorted sense of who he is and what yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah that would be so at odds with, with the man himself, like the real guy, that it would just be awkward for both of us, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah, 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 I mean, I'm sure he'd get over it, but, I, <laughs> but I, I'd find it difficult. Because it's I, I, it's such a fundamental part of my life. I wouldn't want it to be. Um, I wouldn't want my affection for him to be tainted in any way by having humiliated myself, right, and right, embarrassed right. myself, yeah. or been a dick or whatever. I don't know. I wonder what it's like for Ricky Gervais because he's someone who actually did form a friendship with Bowie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if his if his uh, relationship with his music has changed. I don't know, Ricky Gervais. So, um, I mean. I, don't know. I haven't got the opportunity to ask him, but still, I mean, the, the, the dream obviously is that you meet and you get on well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I do feel, you know, I do, I feel such an affinity with him, and I like him so much in so many ways. Um, I like what he's done, and but I like the, I like the man from what I've read. You know, he's, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. like his frailties and his failings, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and his sense of humour and his ambition and his. Everything about him I admire, you know. Even even the bits that haven't really worked. <laughs> I just think that makes him a more. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was him a more rounded person. I just think he's in all sorts of ways. Yeah, because taking chances is is more than about taking the right chances, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people who take chances, they're like, well, they're not really taking that many chances, they're just doing something that they know is going to be critically... Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Appreciated. I mean, I can't give you too many examples off the top of my head, but you you see people every now and again who are supposedly dangerous artists or whatever, and you think, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah. They're just good at second-guessing what critics (laughs) like, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure there's been elements of Bowie that are like that, but... On the other hand, he just does stuff because he just wants to do it every now and again. It might not be the best idea.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But it's all part of the interesting tapestry of, you know, being creative Mm and being a personality. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he does a lot of second-guessing. But I like the fact that he does, like he did the, the... He did Labyrinth and Tin Machine and all those things, which maybe you might think of as thinking ludicrous from the outside right right, right right yeah I think they make it more interesting
0: uh-huh. and in the sorry in the do, I don't know if it's in Colonel Panic that was in Bug you had uh, some Bowie bits yeah well Colonel
1: Panic is really I mean I, I've been trying all the bits out in that show in Bug really yeah because Bug is the main show that I main live thing I do so a lot of the stuff in Colonel Panic I've been trying out at Bug shows throughout the year
0: yeah
1: I mean, I worry that I should have been more... I worry that I should have called it, like, something bug-related to make that clearer. But I've, I've written about it on my website that that's the deal. You know, I don't want people to turn up and go, Oh, yeah, but I saw, you know, I saw the Best of Bug show in in June, and it was, uh, there was a lot of the same stuff. But it's like, well, yeah, I was trying it out. i got to, <laughs> yeah, like, try stuff out. Yeah. But then, anyway, I don't know. Um... But, uh, yeah, the Bowie thing, you know, this has been the big Bowie comeback year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of um, tied in very much with uh, stuff we were, we were doing at Bug anyway.
0: Are you a big fan of the new album? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really good, but I don't listen to it all the time. It's not like my favourite Bowie album. Right, right, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? But um, I listened to it and I thought, yeah, good good job, man, you know. Yeah. Very respectable.
0: Um, Pass it on to Ricky Gervais.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But no, I I was delighted, especially the first single. I thought, well, this is just a really good song and and, an intriguing video, and um, you know, I was really pleased. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's no. I mean, it's my favourite ones of his, I suppose, are um, the, the, the more predictable ones from right. the, the 70s. Yeah, 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 But yeah, I've got time for I've got time for all this stuff, you know. And I do have Tin Machine weeks, right, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, where I think, wow, this is good, man. There's yeah. a few songs on there that are really yeah, yeah. great. There's Prisoner of Love and <laughs> and. Um, Uh, There's a couple. Uh, What was it? Prisoner of Love and... Oh, yeah, I Can't Read. That's another good one. I mean, there's, like, going to be maybe one Tin Machine fan listening to this now who's going, yeah,
0: you're right, buckles. (laughs)
1: Everyone else is going, yeah, whatever. (laughs) But, yeah, there's good
0: stuff on there. And when uh, you were... I was wondering when you were doing, uh, like, Colonel Panic, is that, like... Did you set out to have a show without music videos, or at one point did you just realize you had enough stuff to do
1: one? Yeah, I think so. Yes, exactly. I mean, I was asked to do it basically. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and and I, I I didn't want to do a. It wasn't practical to do a bug show because like a if you do a proper bug show. It's it's, it's mainly about the music videos. Mm-hmm. So we I want to play them in full to you know to a large degree, and uh, it was just. Yeah, so this is kind of like Bug Without the Music videos and some extra bits, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. So it fits more conveniently into uh, an hour slot. Yeah. And, and I mean, I still play a couple of clips, short clips, right, yeah, of yeah, music yeah. videos to sort of set up the uh, comments that I read out for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I know, I mean, I, I, I guess I... I, I called it Colonel Panic when I was thinking that it would be more, more of a kind of a thesis on on um uh life in the net age or, or my relationship with right, technology yeah, 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 yeah. and you know that, that that's kind of implicit in the whole thing i suppose yeah. but it's not overtly about it yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just yeah it's just like yeah. my bits from yeah. bug plus other similar mm-hmm. things you know
0: i seen like a i was thinking like every time i see a sort of funny internet comment on youtube yeah think like that could be in bug sort of thing yeah, and I was watching like this uh, interview with Ryan Gosling, uh-huh. and like he's a fine actor, isn't he? Sure, he's all right, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like they had all these like you had people saying oh I would go gay for Ryan Gosling and things yeah. like that. And then like there was one that I found quite funny it was uh, a guy's comment going, "Even I would go gay for Ryan Gosling. Uh-huh. Even but me, the
1: straightest, <laughs> and most impressively <laughs> heterosexual man <laughs> in the world." <laughs>
0: <laughs> like you have like priority Yes, all these that's people. Right.
1: I have so many women who wish to enjoy me and my powers, that I am occupied nearly full time with my heterosexual duties. But even I would make time for Ryan Gosling. Maybe not a great deal of time, but enough to yeah. pleasure him in the bottom for around five or ten minutes.
0: I'm <laughs> <And what, laughs> so long from doing like bugging that. What would you say? Have you worked out what makes like, a good music video?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say that a... For me, I like a video that is... uh, You kind of know what the idea is very quickly, because you haven't got much time to set out the stall, as it were. yeah, yeah. So within the first... Within the first 30 seconds, you want to know, aha! I like, you know, this is intriguing. I like this idea, and I am willing to stick with this idea for another three minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would hope that it is going to build to a satisfying Mm -hmm. conclusion of some kind. Either they keep on doing that idea, and the the last time they do it is the best time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or there is some sort of satisfying little narrative conclusion to the thing. And you can usually tell within the first 30 seconds if that's going to be the case, you know. There's some videos where you get like, oh, yeah, that's a nice idea. And maybe it's about a camera trick or a way they're filming something. And you think, yeah, this is good. But then they don't really go anywhere with it, you know, and they just carry on doing that same trick. And sometimes that's fine. Sometimes that's enough, you know. I don't mind simple. I mean, a lot of my videos are very, very simple. Like I did the summertime blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just explosions, and <laughs> yeah. me running through the sand. Yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need. I mean, it's short, you know, it's only a couple of minutes. Yeah. So, um, and uh, it, I guess that one's about the performance as well a little bit, you know, and that's the other thing is that if you've got a magnetic performance, I'm not suggesting that my performances are always magnetic, but I try. But if you do have a, an amazing performance from the band or whatever, or whoever's in the video, yeah, And that makes that makes a, a video memorable and enjoyable. Paddy Considine was very good in the Arctic Monkeys video. I seem to uh, recall. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, before the
0: lights game. Yeah, or maybe, like yeah. Um,
1: so I like those kind of ones, and uh, yeah, great performance from the band is always good, and. Um, yeah, those yeah. those kind of ones I really like. I mean,
0: what was the one like? There was one, because uh, the last bug you did in Edinburgh, I can't remember when it was, in June or something like that. Yeah. But uh, uh, there's one video that I just kept watching and repeat afterwards. It was by Willow. Oh, yeah. And it's like and a really cool projection one. Yeah, that was amazing.
1: Yeah, one. very clever. And it was um, uh, pretty low budget. It uses projection mapping technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get three projectors to project on three different surfaces uh, different bits of CG stuff that all, uh, all the projections link up to create a kind of three-dimensional or an illusion yeah, of a yeah, three-dimensional yeah. space so the lead singer is there in the, in front of these projections kind of interacting with them so that you forget where he is and it looks as if he's travelling from one space to another even yeah. though actually you're looking at a, a static space yeah. it's really clever um, yeah, they're good, that band and, and the director, Philips Sturk is his name, from Belgium uh, he's done. He's done some other stuff with that yeah, band. Yeah. That's very good as well. Yeah, there's a lot of really talented there's only, like, people. Directors out there.
0: that uh, you've just seen consistently good videos from.
1: Well, there's a band. Uh, uh, some directors from Paris called Megaforce who are very good. They did the Is Tropical video uh, with the little kids with the nerf yeah, guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. And they, they've just done a, another one for Is Tropical actually. Where the it's this uh, teenage boy looking after a posh house. CGI
0: is that that yeah, one? And
1: yeah, he, and he, st- he goes on like a um, amazing masturbation <laughs> marathon, um, imagining all the kind of things that you might imagine a video game obsessed teenage boy might imagine. Yeah. So progressively more ludicrous and pneumatic CG women <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. copulating with him. <laughs> till they grow to a a ridiculous degree till they're more giant than the house and they've got like (laughs) giant, giant thighs and boobs and he's he's just in the middle of them thrusting away and then it ends up with him in in a kind of uh, Call of Duty style war zone yeah,
0: yeah, yeah um
1: Bumming a, a big rapper. <laughs> it's great, like his fantasies get get so ludicrous.
0: I like the thought of someone listening to that and like that's the line that sold them. Bumming a big rapper. Yeah, that's right.
1: And then uh, towards the end of the video, you will be uh, bumming a big, uh, you know, rapper, like a 50 cent uh, kind of guy. Sold. <laughs> yeah, alright, yeah, sounds good. We'll do it. How much will it cost? Oh, not too much. Uh, <laughs> I
0: was thinking about. Uh, radio show you used to do with Joel. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, uh, cause like I used to study radio at college, at, and I was wondering, uh, what sort of prep went into doing uh, one of the shorts? Ah, uh, well, that's a very, um, that's a very important question
1: because I mean that's the reason that we've kind of had to stop doing it because I, I'm a kind of control freak and also I don't feel as if I'm particularly good at improvising off the top of my head. Certainly not as good as Joe, who is able to come up with funny things um, consistently without much preparation. But it takes, I, I i feel more comfortable if I prepared things beforehand. So I used to take a lot of time to do little jingles and uh, and bits and pieces like that before the show. And then I would bring them in and occasionally Joe would be rude about them and... Sometimes he'd be supportive, and but either way, it would give us stuff to talk about, you know. What yeah. I mean? But the busier that he got with his film career, the less time he had to prepare to a similar degree, and I think he ended up feeling like the the, the workload was too unbalanced, you know. And he was coming off looking like guy oh, he's just cruising, right, in, right, yeah, not doing any prep. And I I don't think he he particularly relished people thinking that of him or, you know, he maybe he felt that he wasn't pulling his weight or whatever I didn't think that he needed to worry about that I would have preferred preferred that we carried on doing it uh, willy-nilly, you know I, I, uh, I didn't feel resentful that he wasn't coming in with amazing jingles like me uh, even though I did get quite angry when the one fucking jingle that he did do ended up being the one that everyone liked much more than any of mine What was that? Uh, retro Texanation Right <laughs> um, But you know I, I understood where he was coming from And at the end of the day Especially if you're doing something like a film or whatever your, your, your attention and your focus Needs to be undivided really And actually the radio show Even though it was You know you could do it just rolling in Having done nothing Yeah. But uh, I don't know It always felt better when we did a bit more work was in. it sort
0: of like did you come up with things together you just say right I'll do this five minutes and you can do something no it was always
1: totally, separate. totally and, separate and then we would we would meet in the studio and then often we would be talking before we went on air and then we'd say no 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 let's stop talking save it for the show you know what I mean <laughs> but um so yeah our relationship really was taking place exclusively on those podcasts right you know? yeah That they, they represent a record of pretty much the entirety of our friendship for the last how many years it is. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So we don't really, we didn't really get the opportunity to socialise outside that much because mm-hmm. I live in Norwich, Joe lives in London. Joe's, you know, I've got a family, and Joe's got a busy career, and I've got a busy career as well, obviously. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, excuse me, can, can I? Mm-hmm. I said excuse me, but she just walked away. She was, she was just like, nah, I'm not interested in it. Excuse me, it's too late for you now. Okay. Yeah, do you want to edit here
0: if you want
1: it? You, you? No, no, it's cool. Let's carry on. This is the stuff you want to keep in, Mark Maron style, right?
0: Oh yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so what we say? Yeah, uh, yeah. No. So, so, so you know, Joe and I just didn't have the opportunity to spend time together. Really, our lives just were too divergent. I don't really see anyone. You know, I, I mean, I don't see. Like, I'm lucky if I see most of my close friends a couple of times a year now. It's just the way it goes. Hi, um, could I get a mineral water, please? Like, a sparkling mineral water? Please. Sparkling? Yeah, thank you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Worked out, huh? Yeah. Out. <laughs> How important do you think podcasts were to, like, the six Mutual success? Um,
1: well, I, I mean, I don't know... But in my mind, they were really important. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't tell. The weird thing about life online is that it's very easy to to get a very warped view of how important it all is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it only takes a, a handful of people expressing their opinions online for you to think, well, that's that's the truth. They must be right. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because, they, because that's six people, so uh, they're the people that are bothered to say it, so scale it up, Yeah, and uh, that's the opinion. That's the what the prevailing opinion is. But actually, that's not true, and I think, you know, people like film companies... Oh, it's not always true, anyway. In the film world, for example, you know... Um, you get what's known as a heat haze um, right. when a film is being hyped before it comes out, and there's a lot of good chat about it, and, and people are getting excited about it online. But that, a lot of the time, does not translate into actual performance yeah, for, the, yeah, for yeah. the film when it comes out. So you can't really rely on on how people feel about something online. Thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers. Um, Anyway, that's all to say that I don't really know what kind of impact those podcasts made because I suppose, compared to the kind of Ricky Gervaises of this world, the, the number of people that downloaded them was a drop in the ocean. But, it, but to me, it was really important, yeah. and, and that was what it was all about, you know. And um, it felt like that was an opportunity to put it all together cut out the bits that didn't really work on live Did you do that yourself? No I didn't actually that was the first time that I had it because I was such a control freak when we were at XFM I used to do it myself and I was maybe a bit too um, brutal with the edit but actually um, our producer on Six Music James Sterling used to cut them and he was great at doing it and he he got it just right and um, so I really I really liked the way they turned out And, and more often than not he would always get the, the right bits I think yeah, yeah. very seldom did I think oh no he missed a bit or, yeah, yeah. or why did you put that bit in you know what I mean like, that was crap so yeah I was really pleased with them and I, and I liked the, the fact that they were kind of topped and tailed and I liked putting the jingles in there and, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: and I liked the little extra bits of bollocks that me and Joe used to do mm. at the top and, um, so yeah and also the fact that they exist still you know what I mean yeah they, yeah yeah I, that's, that makes me really happy it's weird isn't it because people people sort of assume that the the um, most uh, important or respectable creative statement you can make is something like writing a book or making a film yeah, or yeah, yeah. recording a great album or whatever and yeah of course those are amazing things to do if you can get them right but more and more I feel like some of the most valuable things in my life are other podcasts yeah, and yeah, like yeah. That because I'm I formed such an important relationship with those people.
0: Yeah.
1: This American Life or Mark Maron or Richard Herring or whoever it happens yeah, yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I really value their, their space in my, in my world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I really look forward to their company and stuff. And um, and I, 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 I'm really excited by the idea that maybe people thought that about our show, you yeah. know so I miss it and I want to get back to yeah. doing it I might try doing something next year I don't know yeah. I mean Joe unfortunately is still unfortunately for me not, not for him is still doing very well <laughs> in the film world and uh, so he's busy but in the meantime yeah I think maybe that Richard Herring Mark Maron model yeah 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 of interviews might be quite good and um, that's what i'm trying to do here yeah well, yeah well it's good it's, it's fun you know
0: yeah i'm trying to make it a bit like i think i described this to my friend as meaning like a mark Maron that's not bitter yet <laughs> <laughs> And I added the word yet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's not quite. How old are you? I'm 21. So. Oh yeah, you got a long time to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting. a set age to be there. Well, I think certainly in the fourth in your 40s, it's that's the big struggle. Yeah, you know, yeah. is, is it's the struggle with bitterness <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but uh, he's good though, isn't he? I mean, he's very candid about. About what he's like as a person. Did you listen to the one where he interviewed James Franco? I've not listened to that one, no. That's quite good. He's doing it live at South by Southwest right, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: in Texas. And he um, gets several guests on stage, including, as a kind of last minute booking, Harmony Corinne, the uh, film director, right. who did this film Spring Breakers with
0: oh, yeah, James yeah, yeah, Franco.
1: Yeah. And so James Franco is there as well. And they get up on stage and, and start chatting. But evidently, Mark Maron's a little wary. And while, and while they're chatting, you can't really... He seems a little bit disrespectful of James Franco, you know, who is what he is. You know, he's, like, he's, he's kind of thespy. And, uh, I mean, he's a talented actor, so I think he's allowed. But anyway, Mark Maron seems to be teasing him and needling him a little bit, you know. Right, right. And you can't quite tell why. And then at the end, he sort of... Uh, James Franco makes a comment like, ''Well, you know, I don't take myself too seriously.'' Uh, anymore um, and Mark Maron sort of laughs and goes <laughs> you know, he says something like, oh no, of course not <laughs> and uh, and everything goes really frosty um, and James Franco's like what What do you mean? I, well, I don't, I mean well, what do you mean by that? And Mark Maron's like, oh no, no, I'm, I'm just joking um, wasn't saying anything, listen, I appreciate you coming on that's it, thanks very much and he, it just sort of wraps it all up really quickly and then the following week he explains at the top of the podcast what, what the deal was. And he said that he felt... Because people have obviously complained in the intervening week.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like you were a bit disrespectful of James Franco there. What was up? And so he says, uh, you know, people have been in touch about this. And I found James Franco was very stand as he came on stage. And his body language was all off. And he kind of turned his back towards yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. And, and he was a bit snooty and... Uh, Uh, You know, he didn't really seem to have a sense of humour about himself. And and it it was interesting hearing him talking about it, because you could sort of understand why he had got defensive about it. But at the same time, you thought, well, it sounds like you were being a bit oversensitive. And James Franco may well be a slightly arrogant dick, but still, he's your guest, and you've Uh just got to sublimate your own anxieties (laughs) for the purpose of the interview to a certain degree. But actually, it makes it sort of interesting that he doesn't and that he's honest about... Because everyone feels like that. I've, I've had lots of experiences where you do an interview and it's quite awkward and uh, embarrassing. You know, I interviewed a guy called Michael... Uh, I want to say Michael Sheen, but it's not Michael Sheen. What the fuck is his name? Michael, he's, in, um, he's in, you know, he plays the metal man in um <laughs> i'm not explaining it very well <laughs> you can tell why he wasn't impressed. i'll just google me. metal man <laughs> Now, it, you know the new superman film he plays zod oh
0: Michael i don't know that
1: one Michael call someone or other I've, I've, I've removed him from my memory oh, good. he's a really amazing actor and, and he was the guy he's in boardwalk empire he plays right. the uptight agent watch that you that. good, and he's always good but he's sort of he is known for, or at least he has uh, stood out and impressed in roles where he plays characters that are sort of explosive and unhinged, Right, right. who are very are tightly wound, mm-hmm. and at a certain point they will go ballistical, right, and yeah, uh, yeah. start whipping themselves, or <laughs> screaming and yelling, or being very violent and uh, imposing. And he's really, you know, he's a powerful presence. Uh but, clearly, he is fed up as an actor yeah. of being that guy, mm. and there, there are more strings to his bow. You know? yeah. um, but whether he likes it or not, those are the roles that are, he is identified with. So I made the mistake of talking to him about that when I interviewed him at the Apple Store a few months back when he was promoting a film called The Iceman that he'd done about a serial killer, another tightly wound <laughs> guy who explodes. <laughs> um He's a sort of serial killer hitman guy called uh, Richard Kuklinski, I think he's called. Anyway, so I talked to him about this, and, and, and you know, I'd been watching interviews with him all week. Yeah. Um, and he seems like a really intelligent guy with a funny sense of humour, a mm-hmm. weird sense of humour, you know. So I felt like I was there was a good chance I would yeah. get on well with him. But... Um, as soon as I started mentioning the, the t- tightly wound stuff, I mean, yeah. w- w- which maybe was a bit lazy of me, but I just was, you know, I was curious, and I was curious to know if he was irritated by that tag or, or you know, to what degree he was like that in real life. And I, fair enough, they are route one questions <laughs> to ask a guy like that. But I was hoping that he would just be able to have a conversation with me about it, but he got really weird and sort of angry, and it made the interview really quite frosty. Right, right, and yeah. I was immediately on the back foot, and I felt really bad about it. And my interview skills are not sufficiently um, uh, massive right. <laughs> so, so that I can recover from something like that. And I was really jangly right the way through the rest of the yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. You know, I came away from it feeling quite embarrassed and uh, ashamed that I, that I pissed him off and made the interview awkward mm-hmm. as well. Because that's the other thing. I don't like to make the audience feel... Uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But then the, but then the people from the Apple Store were like, yeah, it was good. It was really good. That was really crackly. They said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be crackly. Yeah. I want to be good. I want to have a good, easy conversation. But actually, it's quite. I suppose it is quite nice, isn't it? When people you see something real, um, you see some real feelings, whether they're positive or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so we can end like. I'll, I've got one more question yeah sure yeah but I think we could end like the podcast on a frosty moment like that alright so we'll just try and make one uh, well, you,
1: you, can, you can think of the most shit question to ask me and ask me that and then and then I'll go frosty okay
0: okay okay. Uh, so this is we final question uh, I'm trying to get a trademark question Uh huh. just ones like because everyone's got one sure everyone.
1: ham hand
0: or armpit that
1: dispenses sun cream sure
0: uh so, this is, uh, I've been working on it, tested out a few times. Mm-hmm. I think it's alright. What do you like?
1: What do you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I like it. So Everyone's just happy it, with it. Keep it general. Sure. People not, like
0: things. It's not going to offend anybody.
1: Although, you might get someone getting frustrated with you, like, what do you mean, what do I like? You can't just ask that. you got to narrow it down. Give me some criteria. I like lots of things. That's a meaningless question.
0: You're a dick. Um, not now, that yet, thankfully.
1: You know. Well, there you go, you got it. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking rubbish. What do what you mean, James? That's a ridiculous question. That's an insult to me. You this didn't isn't need, the
0: one that's supposed to create the
1: You didn't even think about it. You just thought, oh, I'll just do like a random funny question. <laughs> that's bullshit. Uh, I mean, you're going to be just saying, uh, Jedwood question mark, next? Uh, I mean, Jesus, you're the most unprofessional guy I've ever come across. What do I like? I like it when, <laughs> I like it when um, strangers smile. Like when you, you when you're seeing someone in the street and they're walking along on their own and they're smart and they start smiling. At you are just in gen- no, just in general. Yeah, that's good. N- yeah, it makes sometimes it makes me so happy that I almost start crying. I don't know why. It's really weird. It's like a strange, it's like a strange um, tap that can be turned on in me. It probably speaks to the super sentimental side of me or something. I don't know what. but. Um, yeah, it, you can't really beat it because most people they walk around in the street and and they, you, you got your serious face on, right? You yeah. know, it's a neutral face. Yeah. You don't want to be judged. You don't want. To, you just want to blend in. Um, but when you see someone smile for whatever reason, it's 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 like a little chink in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds a bit racist. But uh, I didn't mean it to. Or maybe it's maybe it's racist that I even said that it sounds racist.
0: Yeah, that's where that's where I felt it went awkward. Yeah,
1: sorry, man. Sorry. Right. That is, yeah, sorry. This is what it. Because I grew up in the '70s, things like that. that. That was just the way people spoke in those days.
0: It's no longer appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, yeah. Uh, just wanted to finally, watch, though, how did you enjoy your hot chocolate?
1: hot chocolate was nice thank you very much Uh, it was was, yeah it was just right yeah well is this the one that I'm supposed to get angry about oh right oh shit man it was fucking rubbish and um, it was one of the worst I've ever had and there was too much uh, sediment at the bottom of the thing and it was too milky and uh, I didn't have any sprinkles on the top and uh, where was my flake that I requested as well Uh, this is one of the worst days of my life
0: uh, thank you yeah cool so is that the end then yeah that's it man.
1: turn off turn off your turn off your fucking fucking shit limpus tape machine what a disgrace hasn't even got any tape in it digital Ugh. digital's
0: over man this 3n Three PC model Nah,
1: that's a, a bunch of shit. And you know what? You haven't even taken a sticker off the front. If I get some technology, I'm removing all those stickers. You've kept I it might on. I
0: forget how much memory it holds.
1: Jeez, get with it, Guy. Just get your act together, James. Okay. This has been a humiliating experience for both of us. It has.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, bye. All right, bye. That was my chat with Adam Buxton. Thank you very much to Adam for giving me his time and if you want to keep up to date with what he's up to you can find him on twitter at adam buxton Uh, he's very funny on there as he is everywhere else he's a funny man in all the places if you like this podcast you can follow the twitter account at chats for you for info on the latest episodes and also exclusive, never-before-heard questions, they'll be posted on the account. So it's questions that have never been asked by anyone ever before. It's very hard to keep track of it, sort of factually, but I'd guess they wouldn't have been asked. Thanks for listening. This podcast was an eminent joy production. Visit imminentjoy.com for a bunch of different funny people doing a bunch of different funny things.